Welcome to the Career Accelerator, the podcast where corporate managers will find tips and tools to deliver results through others. Hello, I'm your host, Coach Percy Cannon. Today, you will hear several insights gathered during an interview with Jorge Montoya. Jorge was born and raised in a small city in Peru, South America and holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Mechanical Engineering and an MBA, both from UC Berkeley. Jorge worked for 33 years with Procter & Gamble, retiring in 2004 as President of P&G in Latin America and President of their Global Snacks and Beverages categories. When promoted to lead the P&G operations in Latin America in 1985, the region was a small four-country operation with $400 million in sales. At retirement in 2004, P&G Latin America had about $5 billion in annual sales. Jorge is a member of the board of GAP and the Kroger Company in the U.S. and of Farmatodo in Venezuela, and is also a member of several advisory boards. Good day, Jorge. It's an honor to have such an accomplished global executive participate in the Career Accelerator podcast. I'd like to start by asking you if there was a person who impacted your early academic or professional decisions? Oh, yes. My mother was a teacher for 40 years. So there's no question that uh, she was the one who had a major influence. And paradoxically, is probably she, without even knowing, you know, after so many years, I have traced back and sort of reflected on what she did, why she did it, and the results. And I, I could translate it now to what we would call more business-like terms. For example, number one, uh, she was a leader. She was the director of this school for all 40 years. She was a strong leader. Number two, she loved teaching, which is why she probably lasted 40 years teaching. So she taught me that you have to have a passion for what you do, and she did. And number three, she, without knowing, professed every day what you would call servant leadership. She was a humble person who did everything to serve the community, her school, the teachers she worked with. So those three things really stuck with me. But as I said, I had to reflect on that many years past, even after she had uh, died. So definitely, she had a very strong impact in how we were supposed to be educated. She wanted and did manage to get all of her children to be professionals, went to school and were quite accomplished uh, professionals. So definitely my mother. Thank you, Jorge. Uh, I'm sure your mother is very proud of you and your brothers and sisters. You, you spent more than three decades with Procter & Gamble. I'd like to understand what led you to join this company. Sure. You know, right after I had gotten my MBA from Berkeley in Haas Business School, I was in the process of interviewing. I did want to return to Peru. I wanted to return and work there for a few years. And in interviewing P&G, even though it was not the one who in the end offered me the highest salary or benefits at the time, it was the one where I saw that the people who interviewed me took very special care. They flew me to Cincinnati. The first thing that really impressed me was that the country manager of Peru 
was there and took the time to interview me. I mean, I was coming right out of university and here you have the country manager making time to interview me. Then I guess when they sort of figured that they wanted to offer me a job, they took quite a bit of time to impress on me two things. Number one, they were hiring me for a career that I would definitely could develop a long lasting career with PNG. And number two, they took time to explain to me in quite a bit of detail the major and basic principles and values of this company. And those two things really made a big difference. And the rest is history because I definitely that, that made a difference for me to join them. Very interesting. And it's obvious that the, uh, the managers who interviewed you took the, uh, the interviewing process very seriously, right? Very seriously. Absolutely. I have also seen that in, in, uh, in the different companies that I worked, how a good but not necessarily common characteristic of, uh, of managers, uh, right? I mean, some of them delegate this to, to human resources uh, uh, and others really take the ownership for that. Absolutely. Well, I guess for starters, in PNG, as you well know, it's, it's promotion from within. So it's, it's, a, it's of major importance that you are very careful who you recruit. And therefore, it's one of those where it becomes a very important role of any manager. And, you know, much later in life, when, uh, you know, I was already managing Latin America, each of the general managers had a very active role and we would divide the groups to where they would go in the States, uh, to the major universities and interview. So it was a time of the year where they had to take time and go and interview you know, young talent. So it's absolutely, I would say, definitely up at the top of the roles of a manager. Yeah, I agree with that. How did you manage to become visible to the senior executives in Procter & Gamble during your 33 years in that company? Especially at the beginning, I guess, Jorge. Whenever I talk to some you know, young folks graduating or in companies, I tell them, Look, you know, when you are starting, a lot of eyes are on you. And really what they want to see is, number one, whether you are doing what you're supposed to be doing or even better, excelling at what you're doing. And number two, if they do have a career development process, they're going to be watching how your career should develop. So I tend to be a bit against the people who become the young folks who become too impatient and try to make on purpose efforts to try to be seen in a serious company, that is not necessary. I, I often tell young folks, you know, when you are put into a position, sort of assume you're going to be there for the rest of your career. Don't worry. Just manage and do your best to deliver results. And to me, that's the key word. Once you deliver results, the rest will follow. But it's, it's of no use to try to impress people with other things if you are not producing results. So results are the number one thing that I would say is what I took time to do in my early years. And the rest just follow. I mean, I, I, I was 
you know, either lucky enough or at least uh, good enough for people to notice what I was doing and deliver results. So I didn't do anything special, but concentrated on learning what I was doing and delivering results. I would say those are the two main things. Got it. Thank you, Jorge. When you were promoted to lead the Procter & Gamble operations in Latin America in 1985, I understand that the region was essentially a, a small four-country operation with around $400 million in sales. During the following 15 years, annual sales grew to $3.5 billion. I like to know, how did you do it? How did you manage to deliver such impressive business results? Of course, it's, it's not just a one or a two or a three. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a whole array of events and happenings. But I would say the main one was right at the beginning. The, the P&G Latin America headquarters were in Cincinnati. And you couldn't do anything being so far away. So the very first thing was be where your customer, your consumer is. So back in 1987, we managed to convince the company to let us move the headquarters to Caracas because we would be in the middle of the region. Then right after that came quite a few things, which is we made sure we recruited good young talent from Latin America because our thinking was, Nobody is going to know more than the Latin America consumer than Latin American themselves. So we recruited, we initially used quite a few expatriates, but started then in a plan to try to cover the main countries. We did Colombia, we afterwards did, grew faster in Venezuela, then did the bigger countries, Argentina and Brazil. But I guess if, if I had to choose one major factor was the one that by having recruited young, good talent, we were able to delegate a lot. We were able to empower the young talent in the countries and we let them do their thing, obviously under the same principles and values of the company. That was never had any issue in terms of deviating for that. But the idea was we set out to grow the region with the Latin talent and country and country, category by category, we were building. And once the trust was there that the people were responding, that would become a virtuous circle because the more we would empower, the more they had faith in what they were doing, they faster the growth and come back again to the company with more resources to grow with bigger. So as I said, it's not just a one thing, but it's a combination of things, but it started with the organization. Absolutely. No question about it. Thank you, Jorge. So far, you have talked about uh, results, and I'm just going to paraphrase that as business results, and you have just talked about organizational results and efforts. It seems to me that those two were connected. And so I'd like to ask you, did you see them as connected? And how did you go about balancing your time and energy between the two? Absolutely, they are connected. But I would say the, 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 the one that leads is talent. Talent comes first because without talent, there wouldn't be any results or any growth. So absolutely connected. 
But first, you got to make sure that you have the right people in place. If you don't have the right structure, and even more importantly, the right people in that structure, you couldn't even start getting results or growth in any company or any category. So absolutely connected. And I would say you have to devote initially most of your time to make sure the right people. And, you know, and, and that is no different from any, from any team. In any team, whether it's in sports or whether it's in business, you have to have the right team to make sure that when they are charged with a task, they are willing and able and have the energy and the motivation to complete that. So definitely balance. You couldn't get any business results without first having the right talent. Thank you. Good clarification. I'd like to ask you three questions uh, related to the best performing managers you saw. The first one would be, uh, what are those top characteristics that you saw in your best performing managers in managing their direct reports? In managing their direct reports, I would say number one is once you have the people in your group, that they would be totally committed to develop and help them grow in the company first within their group and then in the company. So commitment is number one. Number two, caring, meaning that they did care about those people's progress, not just because I have to do it, but truly because I cared to do it. And then number three, willing to take a risk. The level of risk obviously cascades down because even on entry positions, whoever is managing them, they have to take smaller risks, but still, nevertheless, a risk. So I would say those would be the three main characteristics in managing the direct reports. Committed to their development, caring about their progress, and willing to risk by giving them tasks even when they think that they're not totally ready. I always said that if somebody tells me and says, this person or such a person for that position, uh, they are about a year, nine months before they're ready. When I heard that, I would say they're ready today. Just give it to them. So those would be those three characteristics. Got it. Thank you, Jorge. Now, what would be the characteristics you saw on those best performing managers in the way they managed their peers? They, they related to their peers? Oh, uh, as it relates to their peers, to me, it's very clear what the number one characteristic has to be. It's got to be trust. In the absence of trust, nothing works. I've always been asked, you know, how is it that PNG manages to have such a complex matrix organization where somebody in Cincinnati actually gets stuff done in Japan by people who are in Japan or in China or in Brazil or in Colombia? The answer is there is trust. There is trust in that even though we are at the same level, we are peers, but I trust that you're going to do the right thing. I trust that you're going to try your best. And I trust that you're not really telling me a story and trying to get around me or even worse, God forbid, trying to stab me in the back. No. If you really trust your peer, 
you know that things can advance a lot further. There is no second guessing. There is no going back and forth. You trust that they're going to do just as much as what you want to do. And of course, the trust has to be mutual. You know, it goes both ways because otherwise they would also second guess you. So to me, managing peers has got to start with a basic real trust. Got it. And no different than what I have seen in several companies. Uh the good and the not so good. My third question is about uh, those best performing managers and how they managed upward, how they managed their boss or their boss's boss. Well, I would say at the root of that relationship is, and you know, obviously in my time, I've had many bosses. Most of them, if not all of them, were really good. I may have been lucky in that aspect. But I guess the number one thing that I had was the utmost and biggest respect for them as professionals and as human beings. If you respect them, which could be surrounded by other words, like maybe admire some of them, maybe amused by some of what they do, but at the bottom of it all, you have to respect your boss. If you lack that respect, you start then probably distrusting, second-guessing, not thinking that it's the best, uh, and always questioning what he's doing. So I would say the number one thing you have to have for your boss is respect as a professional. Great. Thank you. Switching subjects a bit, were you ever tempted by other companies? And if so, what was your thought process to decide whether to leave or to stay with Procter & Gamble? I mean, when you work on P&G, you tend to get many inquiries, offers, some serious or some not so serious. But yes, uh, probably once, I very early on, I would say early on, before I actually became country manager in Peru, I seriously consider uh, leaving PNG because here came an offer which on the surface looked very, very attractive. When I was thinking about it, I had a good relationship with my boss who I confided with, sort of like, first of all, extra officially. He told me something that I've used afterwards all along these years. First of all, it was, if you are working with a serious company, and you see yourself growing and growing, don't go until you think that you have reached your plateau because chances are that if you stick around and you keep growing, even if you want to look at it in terms of your commercial value, will continue to go up. So don't cash your chips too early on. And that made me think at that time. But the other thing that I then started thinking or the, the way my thinking process went was this company that wanted to attract me was offering me a position, not necessarily talking to me much about what would happen later on. What was the career path that would lead me to further things after that? Uh, and that seemed to be a bit strange. It was a great position, but I didn't hear too much about what would happen next. I made some questions, and of course, they were a bit evasive in terms of, well, if you do well, we'll see then what happens and this and that. I think that's what made me doubt and stay because at the same time, PNG at the time was definitely delineating for me a very clear path. 
And so I weighed one with the other and said, yeah, this is a very short-term gain. The one that was being offered, very good salary, probably, I, I don't remember quite the details, but it, it was something like more than double what I was making. But it would stop short of there as opposed to a career path. So at the time I chose, and, I, and I'm glad I did, to stay with PNG, and obviously the rest is history. But I guess I'd like to re-emphasize the part that I said about a career path, because even today I see that sometimes when a company loses somebody who the company doesn't want to lose, most of the times I've seen is because that person probably didn't know clearly where he or she was headed towards. And it was not clear what the offer was. I Recently, I was involved in a case. Actually, it ended up being the other way around. This person did leave PNG. And I was involved because I was on the board of the uh, receiving company. And the main reason this person left is because he had asked in his group and to his boss straight on, am I being counted among the three or four which would be candidates for your position? And do I continue to have a growing career path? And the answers were very evasive. Whereas the company that was hiring the person was making it very clear, saying, if you do well in this position we're offering you, you can be sure that in three years' time, you will have the top position of this function. And it worked that way. Clarity in career path is very important at any level in any company. If you want to keep the person, you got to be very clear where you see that person going. And if you don't see him or her growing more, be honest enough to say that. But then that's it. The person knows where he or she stands and will take his or her decision. So that's, that to me was very a very learning process for me then, but I can see it very relevant and repeating even today. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jorge. As you said, is the clarity on on what could happen next if the if the results continue to be positive. And one thing I have seen is that some managers are a little reluctant, not only to say that, but also uh, they think that they may think that they need to commit to a date. And what I'm hearing from you is that the important thing is the clarity, and you can talk dates in you know in ranges. Uh, did I get it right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because nobody has it written in any organization where you're going to make some moves. What you have is a path of what your organization is like and how you'd like to fill those spots. And therefore, whether this person is in that path, once he or she is, frankly, ranges of time and the person will understand. Even if you make your range a bit longer just for conservatism, but it's better than keeping the person totally in limbo and not knowing, first of all, whether even he or she is a candidate for that move. That's the worst that you can do if definitely you want to keep the person. I mean, if you don't want to keep him or her, well, of course, you don't say anything or you say no. But if you want to keep her, it, it makes no sense not to let the person know, because that's obviously very clear for the person what he or she would do if doesn't get a clear answer. Understood. How about managing difficult conversations with underperforming employees? 
Well, it goes in different stages, of course. You know, everybody has the right to a second chance and sometimes even a third chance. Many companies have different programs that go around, uh, whether you call it uh, on probation or helping to solve opportunities. It, it differs by company depending on your performance evaluation process. But once you are in that process, of course, it should be very clear to the person why he or she is in that stage. It has to be very clear, and that's why I always give uh, advice that it's got to be very clear what the objectives are that that person is being tasked with in order to make sure that at the end of the period, you can say you did deliver or you did not deliver. If you did not deliver, you go into why not. And then, of course, you go into what are we going to do and you go through the improving process or probation process. Now, at the end of that, once you've had all of those areas completed and still no performance, and it doesn't have to be years, you know, it has to be, you know, probably months, but they do deserve a fair chance. Then you sit down and as long as you are very honest with the person and very straightforward, don't beat around the bushes. Even if you are saying that the person has to leave in a very respectful way, an honest way, and advising the person that there is not going to be any further progress in this company, I would say nine out of 10, they will understand and actually they will thank you for being so clear, so honest, and so helpful trying to help them in improving first and now being very open and honest in saying it's time for you to take another step into a different company because in this one, you're not going to go any further. So clarity and honesty, uh, I would say, is very important. Yes, and, and I think that uh, I would say that clarity and honesty was also what you mentioned for the other case, right? When you get an offer from another company and you're, you know, you're evaluating leaving, correct? Absolutely. Same principles, different? Different situation, absolutely. Yeah, yes. Jorge, in closing, what is the advice that you would give to our podcast listeners? There are many aspects. If I had to comprise it, I would say... Never stop learning. You have to learn every day, even when you age. Have a passion and love what you do every day. That's the only way you're going to have fun. And to have fun, you have to love what you do. Practice servant leadership. What you can do for your organization, for your company, for your people, not the other way around, what they can do for you. And above all, be humble. So I guess that would be, in a concise way, three or four things that I would advise the listeners. Jorge, thank you so much for all the wisdom and practical advice that you have shared with our audience today. Always my pleasure, Percy, anytime. Thank you for the interview. I hope you, as part of our audience, enjoyed today's episode. For the next one, we will cover tips on how to improve the effectiveness of your team. If you like what you heard today, and depending on the platform you're using, let me ask you to please rate, subscribe, or follow this podcast and share it with your coworkers and friends. Also, you can request a free consultation call with me by visiting my website at canon.consulting or, if available in this platform, using the link provided in the details section. This is Coach Percy Cannon. 
working to help you make the rest of your life the best of your life. Thank you for listening to The Career Accelerator, the podcast where corporate managers will find tips and tools to deliver results through others. Stay tuned for our next episode.